Hello, everyone. It is The Insurgents again, episode four. Hello and welcome. Uh, I'm Rob Rousseau. And I am Jordan Yule. I'm Ken Clippenstein. Wait. Ken? What? What? <laughs> what, what? I don't understand. What are you asking? How did you get in here? <laughs> I've always been here. I was here before you were here. I'm here now and I'll be here long after you're gone. Oh my god. I don't remember... It's a little awkward. I wasn't really expecting mm-hmm. Ken to be here, so I'm not sure... I'm picturing you as like one of those like hacker movies in the nineties with like the signal bouncing off all these different satellites and all these different places. <laughs> I'm like Bernie. I'm like Bernie after the heart attack. I just cut, I'm back, but I'm back even bigger than before now. Now you can't, I'm just going to be in every episode from now on after trying to drive me out. Well, yeah. cause they're the van, the lifetime bands I'm afraid still is in place. Unfortunately right. for you. Yeah, we didn't revoke it. You are still banned. Yeah. Well, I think it's really fucked up that you guys posture as progressives, but um, you talk about <laughs> criminal justice, you're not going to give me a second. You're not going to give me a second chance. Just a lifetime. This is like very like Jeff Sessions kind of. Well, stuff. like what? I mean, I, you, you know what know you did. What be... <laughs> no, I don't. It literally, no one else. It's does. a tough like, on crime approach. Me. Okay. Sorry, dude. Every, I keep getting messages from people like, "Why are you no longer on the show? What's going on?" And then I have to tell them, "I don't know why." You have to ask them. They're like, "Well, we did," and they didn't respond. Well, we told you. Lifetime ban. I'm sorry. I'm actually not this totally is... sure. I'm just I'm just trusting Jordan's you know, position on this. You know, I assume if he's banning you for a lifetime, it's got to be for a good reason. Good. So. Yeah, it is. Jordan, we're going to the Rage concert. If Zach and Tom can, you know, put their past <laughs> behind them and work together, <laughs> yeah, I feel right. like we should be able to do that. That's right. Uh, no, sorry. And I'm, Z- I'm uh, Zach. You're Zach? Yeah. Okay. Uh well, I'm sorry, but you know, rules are rules and you know, we laid it out pretty clear and you know what you did. Um, this is like know. Twitter. It's just like, yep, you're suspended. It's like, why is that? We, uh, we don't know. Yeah. We'll decide later. We're going to decide <laughs> retroactively and then yeah. we'll let you know. Possibly. Yeah. We'll possibly exactly. let you know at some, at some point in the future. I love this. Yeah. No transparency. No <laughs> public can't know what the hell's going on. Well, I, I, Sorry. We're not a. What do you think this is? A democracy? Yeah. I thought it's supposed to be a left wing like show. And you guys are. <laughs> Don't I question guess, us. It's a certain type of left wing. Do you want us to sure. double the punishment? Yes, yeah. we can. Well, we can, do, we double, can do a double we ban. Double if we really want to go down yeah, that road. It's already forever. Like how? How do you double that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, so Jordan, you're uh, you're off to Nevada tomorrow. What's what's the deal with that? Are you excited? Nervous? Are you looking forward to uh, heading down to? Sin, Sin City, City or whatever I think they call it that. That's what it's called. Yeah, Sin City. Yeah. I'm gonna go do some sinning. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. We got some friends of the show, uh, past and future, who are out there. Um, we'll see. We'll see how Bernie does. Um, gonna go knock on doors for a few days. My buddy George Schmitz of uh, Stick to Your Guns. He and I got a cool room. He he reports back that the room is is really nice. And we splurge, so we're happy we did that instead of going for some like tiny Airbnb. Uh, we'll see a lot of friends. We'll see Emma Vigland out there. Uh, Aida Chavez is out there, so it should be a good time. We'll, lots of lots of knocking on doors, maybe some gambling, maybe some debauchery. Uh, who knows? Hey. Yeah, like the world that. is our oyster. Well, who are you knocking on doors for, though? 
Oh, he's still here, huh? Uh, <laughs> Amy Klobuchar. <laughs> yeah. You know this is? This is the passive-aggressive, like, oh, I hear a voice thing you do when you're a kid. It's like, <laughs> it's I think I just heard a voice when you're doing a silent treatment. <laughs> Klobuchar. Obviously. Oh, I mean, obviously yeah. the Klobmentum is... It is going to overcome everybody by the time it gets to caucus day. And yeah, uh, you know, I would hate the... to be on any of the other, the other other campaigns when the, yeah, the tidal wave Runner. of Klobuchar support. See, chairs are flying. You're going to see fist yeah. fights. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, are you going to the actual caucus, or are you going to be back before then? No, I'm going. Uh, oh, I, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go watch. I'm, I'm ready to fight. No, yeah. I, I, I'm, I want to see what it's like. I want to see the madness, man. So I'm coming back on Monday. Caucus is on Saturday. Um, so going to tail a buddy. I got a buddy out there who uh, just recently actually switched. He was a Warren guy until like a week ago. And George and I have been like working on him for a very long time. Uh, and just the other day, he texted George and was like, you know what? This is it. We got one shot. We got to go for Sanders or we miss this. This window closes for like another 25 years. I'm, yeah. I'm all in. I'm all in. So we're going to go watch and make sure he ca- actually caucuses for uh, <laughs> Sanders. <laughs> so he's not blowing smoke up our ass just so we have a good time this week. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've been like, I've been kind of hard on the Warren campaign over the last couple of weeks. And I understand like it, it does piss people off sometimes. And, and I can totally get that if you're a, a, like a Warren supporter and you really kind of uh, we're excited about that and enthusiastic about it. Like right now, it is kind of a shitty feeling when things are not really working out as well, and you know they're they're now feel like they're being ignored by the media. And you know if you're if you're mm. sort of a Bernie guy, you know you know full well like how that feels. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, I think I think the, those Warren supporters that that still really do believe in that kind of big bold agenda, the what what is the, the big structural change, big structural mm. Bailey. That's right. Believe in that. There's still a way to make that stuff happen. And, um, you know, part of that is just jumping on board the campaign with all the momentum. That's, uh, that's really in the best position to win. I think any, any Warren supporter that's not like one of those, like World War II soldiers still out in the jungle years later, anyone that's really like, just like a clear rolling. eye about what's happening here and, and, and really believes in these ideals should probably start considering, uh, the fact that they can still, you know, they can still fight for all this stuff. There's still that that option's still there. Right, right. And when you have uh like we're seeing I know I know we recorded with, with Kyle earlier and we talked about how nothing had come in officially from Iowa. We saw tonight, uh Tuesday night, some of the uh re caucus results had come in and it's like they are within like a fraction of a state delegate yeah. difference. When it comes down to that and the a granted Sanders is asking for a recount in some places but when it comes down to that, uh, you really got to wonder, like, what is it? If if your candidate has no path to victory, what do you what are you doing? Because that could be like that could be the difference between a moderate and a progressive. Yep. I don't well, think we yeah, need Ken's the... opinion on this. So, <laughs> <laughs> Ken, do you want to go? I like the one. I like how they will like rank the moderates all together and be like, well, if they all yes. join forces, and but. It, they're kind of conceding then that they're all basically interchangeable and the same, which was the opposite of what they've been saying for the last six months. It's like, look at all these great options you have. You got this guy, you got this other person, you got this one, and they've all got a range of different um, choices. They're all, you know, and, and they're all progressive, but they're but they're unique. And it's like, yeah, anyways, they're all exactly the same, and we can just collapse them into the same candidate. And it's just kind of drop that whole narrative, I think. 
Yeah. It just shows that, like, it, and also, it shows, like, that's not about these specific moderates or what they stand for. And, like, they, they erase this nuance or minutia. It's, it's all of these people versus Sanders. Like, it's just, they're really telling on themselves when they produce graphics like that. It's like, this is who we want to stop. And it literally can be any of these people. We don't even care. It just can't be this guy. And it really shows, like, when you, like, when you have a progressive left wing candidate like that, that's who, I mean, you've got, like, the, the corporate media just going out of their way and defying traditional political science, uh, just to rat fuck this guy. Yeah, but it doesn't seem to be having much impact because even though they kind of they kind of frame it like this, they're like, "Oh, everyone! If you total up everyone else, it's it's more than Bernie." And and you know, um, but when you actually look at the head to head polls that they're doing right now, he's crushing everyone. If it was if if it was a two person race, including Bloomberg, for now, and who knows how Bloomberg's massive amounts of money are going to maybe alter that, but including Mayor Pete and everyone, I mean, no one's really like uh, matching up with Bernie that well. And uh, it it does kind of seem like after these first two contests, there's a bit of a bandwagon forming, sort of like people that are not super plugged into the media ecosystem, the Twitter sphere and, and the blogosphere and all the various spheres. All these people are starting to get the sense that there is momentum building, that there's kind of a consensus forming. And it it does start to feel like there's a bandwagon uh, kind of uh, being created right now that people are starting to jump on. That's right. The thing I'm the thing I'm most looking forward to is when like the most anodyne like milk toast pundits like um like Chuck Todd come out and essentially start saying we need to uncuck the polls and that they don't actually show because <laughs> that's what was that classic a, what was that classic amazing. Carl Rove moment from uh, 2012 when it's like we need to get the results from Cuyahoga County or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> Sarasota Florida has not spoken yet. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. Well, as Jordan mentioned, we've got Kyle Kulinski coming on the show in just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I was the really opener. Conversation. I was the opener for Kyle. I just want to point that out. Yeah. You do, well, really doesn't count. Does no, not count. Yeah. Yeah. You won't be in the show notes or anything like that. So. Yeah. I will be editing. I'm going to edit this together. So, uh, so it, it, you're completely excised. Unfortunately. <laughs> Rat bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ken, you since know, since this is the last time you're going to be on the show for sure now, one hundred percent the last time. Do you have anything you want to uh, get out there before we before we kick it over to uh, Kyle Kalinsky? I think I'm just going to embrace the ephemeral nature of the universe and the fact that um, <laughs> I I'm sad that I won't be back, but um, trying to live in the present right now. I appreciate that I that I was here and I am here for the next few seconds. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you could be sad. We're kind of happy about it, but <laughs> but I know that inside that you guys are 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 uh, you know you you get to process this, so uh, I can understand that that takes some time. Uh, yeah, maybe. No, I get it. You have to protect yourselves. You have to insulate yourselves. I get that. I understand. <laughs> okay. okay, thanks, Ken. We're going to be right back with Kyle Kalinsky. Bye bye. talking about today <laughs> good question i don't know we're just gonna hang it out guys tell me yeah so you guys just brand new podcast you started up 
Yeah. Yeah. Covering the election. Yeah. Figure there's a shortage of podcasts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> national. It's a, there's a podcast drought, so we figured why not. So what are we talking about then? I mean, Rob, so yeah, we got uh, we got a caucus yeah, coming up. Like eh? We were covering the United States president election, and we got another caucus coming up on Saturday in Nevada. How are you guys feeling? Yes, we How do. How are you feeling about it? Well, well, first of all, I feel like the word caucus is hilarious, and we should just like yeah. you know think about that for a second. Caucus? Like why? Why did they come up with that word? There's so many other <laughs> potential words, but they went with caucus. Kiss. Yeah. And it's supposed to mean like election thingy. So yeah, I think that's weird. But uh yeah, it's um assuming there's no, you know, messing around with the results, Bernie already wins. <laughs> Why yeah. even have it? He's up by like twenty points, so like it's over. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there'll be no blow no uh blow the board uh trickery or shenanigans or anything like that though. I'm sure it'll just be completely yeah. legit. The whole experience we're gonna run smoothly. They got they they yeah. ditched the previous app. They ditched the shadow app from the Ohio uh, caucus. They learned the lesson there. Now we got a new app instead of just instead of just going to paper and pencil or something. We're gonna have a new app to uh, to figure this thing out. Well, it was like the last. I remember in 2016 in Nevada what they did. They like you know there were all these videos coming out of them basically trying to shut down the Bernie people. And I was like, Oh, that's right. I forgot that the Nevada caucus was like one of the worst, uh, in 2016. So there's definitely going to, they're definitely going to try to do something. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'll be more than happy to put my tinfoil hat on and say like, I'm super sketchy of everything that's already happened. Like, I don't think well, how could you not anywhere be? near Bernie. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's not Mayor Pete didn't magically like, you know, close the gap or whatever between Bernie leading into the into Iowa and New Hampshire. Yet, like the results are like up oh, now nah, uh, Mayor Pete's right there. And it's like, uh, uh, I, I think this is not true. I think that he actually crushed and there's some trickery going on behind the scenes. Yeah, they. I mean, I know, I know Pete has a had a pretty strong ground game in Iowa, but just there was just you know, a lot even down to like the. The misreporting of the the state delegates, um, the rounding errors. There's a lot of things that we still. I was thinking about today. We still don't have an answer for. No. We still don't have clarity. There hasn't even been an official declared winner out of Iowa. We're just moving on, and no one's talking <laughs> about it anymore. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But yeah, yeah they still haven't called a winner yet. No, well, see, it's crazy to me because. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Rob. I'll go after you. Oh, I was just going to say, I thought it was smart by Bernie, actually, a smart strategy from him to just kind of move on from it and let the sort of lawyers and let that kind of process go on, but not to just continually make this this constant thing of it. And and I thought it was smart to just be like, yeah, I got 6,000 more votes. We won. Now we're moving on to all these other primaries. But it has been really interesting how even over the past couple of weeks, as they've kind of still not really been able to come to a conclusion on this, there's all like numerous publications have pointed out all the problems in the math that they use to arrive at who gets what state delegate equivalent and all this stuff. There's tons of errors in all this. And like, there's no real timeline or word on when that's going to be dude, corrected or if it's going to be or what, like, it's really remarkable, actually. Dude, there's this guy on Twitter who's a reporter. His name is Daniel. And yeah, he's been yeah. like following this stuff in detail. And every day I'm amazed at like the updates he gives. He's basically like, they're not even like, forget the thing about when they said, oh, you know, we, we're not going to fix these errors because it's on a legal document and we can't change a legal document. <laughs> forget that, which is bad enough. He was also saying that like, there are other kinds of mistakes that they can fix, even according to their own guidelines, and they're not fixing it. And there's still like at least two precincts. That they're not counting. 
and they haven't reported. And he's like, what is like, <laughs> what is going on? Because he's not. I don't think he's necessarily like a big Bernie guy or whatever. This guy who's following it. Yeah. And he's just so it's it's interesting to see it from like a totally objective perspective, like what's going on. And you see this guy is like, I I literally like there's no way to explain what's happening here without like foul play. It's just not possible. Like there's no level of incompetence that's this high. Like there's obviously <laughs> trickery going on. They're obviously, you know, doing things on purpose. I mean – it, the th- the thing is, like, the conspiracy is not even conspiratorial at this point. Like, we know about shadow. We know about acronym. We know about the connections, to, you know, with the Iowa Democratic Party and the former Hillary people making the app and how they're connected to Mayor Pete. And then this guy just resigned. But this guy is really just the fall guy and how the DNC got involved halfway through the same people that screwed Bernie in 2016. It's like it never <laughs> ends. And it's just so frustrating because I said this on my show a bunch of times. We have to overwin in order to win. And, like, it seems like everybody's kind of getting it now that that's literal. Like, we have to win by, like, at least 10 points or, like, 20 points in order to just win. No, but it has been really funny. Like, the this phenomenon you're describing of there's certain kind of, like, uh, like you said, not really pro-Bernie people, but sort of lanyard liberal media types who they're having, like, this red pill moment where they're seeing what's going on. They're like, I don't know. I kind of feel like this Democratic Party might be kind of corrupt. And it's just like totally just blowing their minds. That's so true. That's exactly what's happening. Um, I've, I've been thinking about that. So you're, you're, you're talking about how Bernie needs to just win to get these clear victories. I've been thinking about that also in regards to Bloom, Bloomberg uh, and how he's trying to now force his way into the race and just astroturf support and everything. Um, a lot of people are, are are worried that it could come down to Sanders and Bloomberg. Um, but, you know, the, as we, you, you mentioned, like the way to to beat back any of these kind of gray areas or this trickery is for Bernie to have a resounding uh, victory across the board and going into the convention. So what are you telling people? What are you telling your audience uh, to kind of help keep them focused, like eyes on the prize and and, and get out there and 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 put in their work, put in the work to to help support Sanders. Yeah, I, I tell everybody every day that we have to act, even if we win by 10 points or 20 points in, in various primaries and caucuses, we should perpetually act like we're 10 points down because, you know, it that's the only way that we're really going to keep the pedal to the metal and, like, really keep um, – stay, stay in front in this thing because the it's no surprise like everything is biased against bernie i know that sounds like the typical like bernie bro thing to say or whatever but it's it's relatively obvious mainstream media hates him the establishment democrats hate him you know i the people who are freaking counting the votes (laughs) hate him like all of that is true so you know we just have to act like we're the perpetual underdog because even though we're the front runner we also still somehow are the perpetual underdog so and bloomberg i mean you brought up bloomberg this is this is such a clarifying moment because it's like he is the living embodiment of the stereotype of like the out of touch corrupt corporate democrat like he used oh, yeah. to be a republican until seven and a half minutes ago too right <laughs> right what, what's really remarkable to me about uh, these poll numbers coming out of Nevada, um, which Kyle, you pointed out, shows shows right now is showing Bernie having pulling into a like a pretty significant lead. And part of the reason for that is because of how much more diverse Nevada is from the early primary states. And it really reminds me, too, of 
how it really is a different coalition this time around than it was in 2016. And there's kind of this narrative that, that certain uh, people in the media tried to spin around Iowa and New Hampshire that like, oh, Bernie's share is really dropping. And, you know, he doesn't have quite the same amount of excitement. But really, it's because in 2016, I think Iowa and New Hampshire were really good states for him. And because of the way his coalition is made up now, it's really not the same anymore. They're older and whiter and richer states, which doesn't really represent his coalition. And now he's going into these these uh, next primary states that are way more uh, ethnic, ethnically diverse and with a lot more kind of young people participating. And this is when this is like with the, the 2020 Bernie coalition. Now, this is where he's really set up to do really well. Um, so that kind no. of like flies in the face of the narrative that people were trying to spin about the enthusiasm levels uh, vis-a-vis 2016 and 2020. It doesn't really it never really made sense, that comparison. Yeah. See, this is why he's in like such even though everything's biased against him. Objectively, he's in such an amazing position because he wins Iowa. He wins New Hampshire, and those are lily white states. And you're right that last time they were very good for him. Those states this time around, like you said, um, you know the coalition is totally different. And he honestly made former weaknesses giant strengths now. So if he's able to win in the states that on paper are not the best for him this time around, then what hope does everybody else have in the states where the coalition is good for him and where the numbers are much more diverse? So he really like. In a really stunning way, I feel like the campaign has just like fully addressed every single conceivable weakness that was out there. So another well, one they did was, the work, didn't they? Uh, when you looked at the, they did, they did the work. But another one that I was really stunned by is polls consistently showed that the one area where Bernie struggled was this concept of electability. So all the propaganda of like uh, you know mainstream media saying a guy like Joe Biden is better to be Trump, a centrist is better to be Trump. All that propaganda really stuck. And what you found is that the polls reflected that people agreed that Bernie is most in agreement with me on the policies. Bernie most cares about people like me. And then the one area where he was way underwater was electability. So what happened was the campaign made it made a decision, and it was a concerted effort to just like nonstop go out there on the campaign trail and during the debates really focus on Bernie like saying I'm the one to take on Trump. I'm the only one who can take him down because I have the diverse coalition. I have the excitement. These other people cannot generate excitement. I'm the only one generating excitement. And they were so persistent and they said it so much that uh, recent polls came out on electability and now Bernie is the front runner on electability. So it, it's been really well done, and I got to give a lot of credit to Faz Shakir as campaign manager because they've turned every weakness into a strength, and they're really, you know, a force right now. The people, the person who on paper was supposed to be like, oh, this is the person who's going to challenge him moving forward, Mayor Pete, after the first two contests. Now he drops off a cliff. He's got like no support with people of color. So they're just they're in a strong position, and that's why this Bloomberg thing is the panic button. They're pressing the panic button, and he's like the last ditch effort for the establishment to fight back. Well, no, but like he, like he, you pointed out, Kyle, it couldn't be more of a like cartoonish representation of everything Bernie has been fighting against for his whole career. This Mike Bloomberg thing, and it's such a I mean, it's such in terms of a story. I mean, yeah, you hope the story has a happy ending, but in terms of the story, it really is the perfect like secondary boss before the final boss uh this dipshit that just like switches his party affiliation as at the last minute um it goes against everything that bernie's been fighting against and is going to try and kneecap him for this uh this nomination which is exactly what he's doing because i have been thinking a lot lately the more we've been hearing about uh, bloomberg the fact that i remember very well um 
rumors like around, you know, 2018, 2019, kind of before the primary really started to get off the ground. I remember hearing rumors about Bloomberg that like, oh, if Bernie wins the nomination, I'm going to do a third party run. And really, that's just what this is. It's just like he's doing his third party run in the in the Democratic primary. And uh, we are starting. Yeah. To, it's like the scary part is seeing him start to like get a significant polling advantage in all these states where he's dumping like these huge sums of money. But I mean, there's no there's no one better for Bernie to position himself against because he's been he's been fighting against dipshits like this for his entire career. Ironically, the same argument that the media makes against Bernie is actually true about Bloomberg, where they say, "Oh." This guy's unvetted. It's like, no, actually, you guys write a thousand negative articles on Bernie every single day. But in the case of Bloomberg, they're playing patty cakes and they're playing patty cakes, namely because or mainly because he keeps pumping ad money into these networks. They're the beneficiaries of that three hundred and fifty one million dollars. He yeah. just dumped on ads. That's who it's going to. It's, it's almost like a journalism. News. It's going to national news. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. So he's the one that's unvetted. But what's interesting is, you know, um, the dichotomy between how corporate media is covering him and how grassroots people like us on Twitter are talking about him because we're actually vetting him. And when you really look into this guy's record, it's beyond abysmal. I did. This is this is one tweet, guys, that I'm about to tell you right now. And this is just some of his policy positions. He famously said, let's raise taxes on poor people to try to stop their bad behavior. He mocked the idea of free health care and compared it to free ponies. He said that Legal weed is, quote, the stupidest thing anybody has ever done. He spied on Muslims in New York City against um, their constitutional rights and got zero leads. He famously did stop and frisk. He blocked a minimum wage increase as mayor of New York City. He banned big gulps. He defended bombing hospitals when Israel bombed hospitals in 2014 in Operation Protective Edge. That's I literally fit <laughs> that vetting into one tweet. This guy Jeez. is like the biggest mess on and earth and – we're gonna have to, you know, really be aggressive to take him down. And he's gonna, he's it's gonna get crushed shows, in like, the general just on the basis of banning big, big gulps alone. Like that's yes, that's gonna exactly. sink him Trump in the general. Gonna actually, Trump's gonna wreck him. There's some culpability uh, for the DNC as well. I mean, you have to like just like the fact that they're not answering for rewriting the rules to let him on the debate stage after firmly uh, sticking by them when it bumped out other candidates. Um, not to say that I support these other candidates, but I think there is something to be said about a diverse field and how that could have been helpful for different perspectives. But also just like they refuse to adjust the rules when candidates like Booker or uh, Julian Castro or Kamala Harris were were struggling and, and, and getting on the debate stage would have helped. Um, but that they're doing this for him with an explicitly racist past, with a terrible track record, with a a, a history that rivals and mimics Donald Trump's. Uh, after all of this moral panic over the past few years about how Trump is the greatest threat to democracy, this billionaire with with te a terrible track record is this this horrible threat to turn around and rewrite the rules so your own version of that can get on the debate stage really makes it should everybody should question the DNC's commitment to these ideas of justice fairness and equity how it relates to marginalized communities and frontline communities and how steadfastly they'll fight for you the working person when you have someone like Michael Bloomberg able to come in and just push everyone to the side and get his way that's well, exactly right and dude they're they're massively corrupt Michael Bloomberg gave $300,000 to the DNC, a donation. That's when they changed the rules. He also – this part was underreported, but he also gave 
800000 to the Democratic Grassroots Victory Fund, which is like all the, the state parties together. And then on top of that, he went individually to each state party and donated, you know, whatever the max is in each individual state, ten grand in some cases, 7000 in other cases, 2500 in other cases. Like he's literally just doing this national corruption tour where <laughs> he's, he's buying even the ability to show up on the debate stage. And like it really is. This is everything Bernie has fought against, and this is everything that's wrong with politics. And what's stunning is like, uh, I mean, obviously in a fair fight, Bernie is going to destroy this guy and take this guy down. But like you said, I mean, th these guys, the DNC and Michael Bloomberg, these guys are Trump's, you know, best friend. They're going to help him. This, I mean, again, he's the caricature, the stereotype of everything wrong with like an elitist, corrupt, out of touch Democratic Party. And Trump is just going to have a goddamn field day with this man. And it's like if you actually if you really prioritize the thing you say you do, which is defeating Donald Trump, then you can't let this go on like you can't continue to change the rules for him you can't keep taking the money and the fact of the matter is they get no the dnc has zero grassroots support now because everybody knows what they did to bernie in 2016 they know what's going on right now so they put themselves in between a rock and a hard place because okay what are you gonna do try to try to just grassroots fund for the dnc well nobody wants to, to fund you and so what do they do they run into the loving arms of michael bloomberg further destroying their credibility it's like it's such a ghost ship in the era of trump I mean, the DNC and the Democratic Party should be really powerful right now and should be, you know, in a stronger position than ever. But of course, they made every wrong decision. They they were massively corrupt. And now we're at this point now where he's like he's really a favorite to win reelection at the moment. His approval rating is higher than it's ever been. And it's like, well, you guys are like comical in how much you help him. You're stepping on a rake every single day. <laughs> well, and it shows how bullshit the whole argument that like, oh, he, Bernie's not a Democrat. The people that say that too, I have to laugh at that as well, <laughs> because it's literally it really just means nothing to them. It's not about like an actual policy or the way that you're, you're going to govern or like the things you believe in. It's literally just they just mean he didn't write the letter D on a piece of paper somewhere. Uh, because you have like Bernie, who has caucused with Democrats for his entire political career. Um, versus Bloomberg, who was a Republican, like you said, Kyle, until like a few years ago. He was literally the Republican mayor of New York for that's the main thing that he's known for. Uh, but no, because no, but he's a Democrat because he just when he was like he went to do his registration and he filled out the form properly and he put the D. So there he's a Democrat. Bernie isn't. And it's just like it's it's he unbelievable. It's Bush. Like, it means nothing. He endorsed Bush, George W. Bush in yes. 2004, after we already knew how big of a disaster he is. He endorsed him. Yeah, uh, it's it, the, the 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 he's not a real Democrat thing for Bernie. It's just so funny because it, sh it really it sh it's people telling on themselves because at the end of the day, it's it's for them. It's about party politics. And it's also weird to see random people bring that up on Twitter because it's like, why do you give a shit? Because most the vast majority of people don't care. Like they're not they're not looking for someone who's going to like do what the dnc wants they're looking for someone who will fight for them so when you go to like middle america and say like oh yeah bernie's not like actually a democrat he's like been an independent fighting for working class people that's a great strong selling point in how you convince people who are non-voters to actually participate in the system because that's what we've been hearing for years is like you know that the issue isn't getting republicans to switch to democrats it's getting non-voters to be voters so how do you do that you go and say hey this guy isn't part of this system that you've been disillusioned by or disillusioned with your entire life this is this is this is a guy who's breaking from that mold so bernie's not a real democrat in that context is actually a great strong selling point but people using it to just kind of uh 
hit him over the head and use it as a cudgel to to maintain the the status quo and defend the party line is just super bizarre. Yeah, well, it's like, guys, the Democratic Party brand is fucking garbage. That's why it's a good thing that he's not a Democrat. Not many people like the Democratic Party. This is exactly why the majority of Americans don't even participate in the electoral process because they've been completely left behind by both of these parties decades ago. Uh, so this guy can appeal to the swing voters, quote unquote, which you never shut up about that you think are the most important people to go after. And it's like, no, no, not this way, though. Not this guy. We can't we can't have this. <laughs> the thing is, he actually appeals to everybody, because if you think about it, Bernie is the one that could hold the base. He can hold the Democratic base. There's no doubt about that. Bernie is also the one who gets the two times Obama voter who flipped to Trump in the Rust Belt. Mm-hmm. So, like. It really is the best of both worlds because the usual – like people think that those things are in conflict with each other. Like you have to choose. Do you like you know shore up the base or do you try to get the moderate and the independent? And it's like, well, actually, no, that's a false choice. He does both of those things. And really – it comes. I mean you guys are so right because it's like they have their blinders on. Really to anybody who is remotely serious, policy is what matters and- and like, is this person going to fight for me? Is this person against the corruption in the system? Is this person somebody who I can trust? And really with Bernie, it's just so obvious that he has, you know, his philosophy, his beliefs, his policy positions, and he'll make his case for them. And people are convinced by it because his, you know, his argument is like, hey, I think you should have health care and go to college and like make enough money to like live and that's just obvious to people. And the crowd that screams he's not a, a, a Democrat, it's like, well, you, all you guys care about is like this cultural signaling and like letting everybody know you're part of the in-group, you're part of the cool kids club. And it really is just like tribalism politics. It's no different than, you know, the idiots on the right who are tribal about being part of the Republican Party. And what you found is that in 2016 with Trump, he he was definitely just like – at least on the campaign trail, he was a animal. He was somebody who tried to act like he was outside of the of you know the political parties. He tried to act like he's this populist guy who's going to overturn the system, and that's why Trump was able to build a bigger you know uh, coalition than any of the you know like Jeb Bush or Marco Rubio or Ted Cruz or any of those insiders did. And like it's really interesting how much of a parallel there is now between 2016 and. And um, 2020 on the the Republican side in 2016, the Democratic side in 2020. I mean, you could Saibi wrote a great article about this where he's like laying out how like they did. It's it's a mirror image. Like in 2016, the establishment on the right went from, okay, it's going to be Jeb to. All right. Maybe not Jeb. He's terrible. Marco Rubio. okay, Marco Rubio's falling apart. Maybe John Kasich. okay, fine. Not Kasich. But uh, I guess we're going to have to go with Ted Cruz. That's better than Trump. And then they just it. They were too late trying to coalesce around somebody, and that is exactly what's happening now on the Democratic side. I mean, I mean, you guys have seen this unfold all along. It was Joe Biden, and then Joe Biden is half asleep, and then they were like, okay, Mayor Pete, and then Amy Klobuchar. They tried to make you know Clobmentum a thing, and like Clobmentum is a thing. Okay, (laughs) don't take this away from me, damn it. It's coming, man. So, yeah, the parallels are amazing, but we should be happy about that as Bernie people. Well, and I guess, like, going back to, like, you know, talking about this stuff about how the appeal with independents and non-voters, what we were talking about, how diverse his base is, how, like, how overwhelmingly the young people, young people that are just getting involved in the political process support him. It's like, if you're the Democratic Party, at what point do you just say, and he's out fundraising everyone by, like, by an insane amount? 
at what point do you just say, like, this is the guy we need to be uniting around? Like, he's got every single factor that we claim to care about in a political candidate. And it's the longer they go with just, like, ignoring this and avoiding just, like, avoiding just getting behind this guy who can real actually unite everybody, um, the more it looks like they don't even actually really want to win. They want to make sure that he doesn't win above all else. Well, let's let's see who ends up doing the unthinkable. There will be some who are like, I'm with Trump, and then there are going to be others who are like, I'm not voting, and then there's going to be others who are you know, going to try to like get Bloomberg to run a third-party option, and it's going to be real. It's such a clarifying moment because I do think that among voters, there's a lot of like centristy voters who actually would support Bernie to beat Trump, but among like media figures and among political establishment people, there's going to be a shocking number of defections of like people who sit out or try to get a third party person to run and refuse and like will do a total false equivalence say that Bernie is Trump. So it's going to be a very clarifying moment when we get to that when we get to that point. Yeah. Um I mean we were I there were efforts in in the works last year by democratic operatives to unify the party around the nominee behind the nominee. Um, and I'm very curious also to see if it's Sanders, how quickly those things go by the wayside, because I think I'm I, I obviously hope everyone does get behind the nominee if it's him. Um, I think you're going to see a uh, like a never Sanders movement um, and you're going to see a lot of prominent people just just say, fuck it. This whole vote blue no matter who thing just we never never really cared about it. It was only just going to go into effect if Sanders lost uh, to whip his supporters into shape, which seemed to be what the these original efforts were for. Um, I think a never Sanders front is is super, super concerning, uh, but also shows how all of the scaremongering over Trump was really just for fundraising and, and to kind of drive party priorities and never really um, never really an altruistic sentiment for some of these people, because at the end of the day, it's all about class privilege. They're going to be yeah. fine. If they're sitting out because of Sanders, it's because that they're rich enough and they're comfortable enough that they won't be uh, affected. Even if they are um, a, a woman or even if they are a person of color, if they're wealthy enough, they're going to be safe. Well, yeah. They're probably going to be way I, I more mean, comfortable under a Trump administration than a Bernie administration. Oh, and that's oh, the kind of contradiction oh, that he exposes. Well, well, that's the thing. For a lot of these people, like Neera Tandon, it is better for her for there to be a second term of Trump than it, there is for Bernie to get elected. And I say that because Bernie Sanders, she'll have no role in any Democratic no. movement under a Bernie Sanders administration. She be, She's irrelevant. She, she represents the dead corporatist wing of the party, the neoliberal wing of the party. And like there's no role for her. But under a Trump administration, she – she gets to keep pretending like she's all about resistance and, you know, she's fighting the good fight and she's virtuous. So for some people, it really is an existential threat for the entire, like, corporate uh, Democratic uh, class. It's like it's a serious threat to them. And that's why I really do think that many of them secretly would be much, you know, much happier with a with a second term of Trump. Some people I just want to stay away, too. I mean, I should say that I know this is not a lot of people have spoken about this, but like, remember when Hillary was like, oh, I won't campaign for Bernie. Yeah, please don't. I was like, good. Yeah, like, <laughs> stay away. People like Bill Kristol, who were tweeted the, like, today we're all Democrats. I think it was when uh, Trump was, like, acquitted from impeachment. He was like, yeah. today we're all Democrats. And I covered that. And I was like, well, that's not good. Like, I, you're a war criminal. Yeah. I, I'm, I have a very big tent 
But, you know, I do make some exceptions. Maybe, like, serial killers and war criminals are not allowed. <laughs> off, dude. <laughs> um, th- just this this new, this 21st century Democratic Party, we've, you've talked about the neoliberal wing, never Trumpers who have uh, infiltrated uh, the ranks and are trying to now lead. Uh, I see time and time again these the, 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 this, uh, this cadre of never Trump people who have gotten TV gigs and all and book deals and all of this stuff just breaking and defecting from the GOP in opposition to Trump and now are centered in democratic conversations. It just makes my blood boil because it's a further abandonment of what the Democratic Party used to be and Sanders is trying to bring it back to is a party of the working class. And uh, I think often about Chris Hedges' death of the liberal class and how over the past few decades, the Democratic Party has steadily and surely uh, drifted away from those like the FDR era Democratic Party ideas, uh, you know, first and, and, and demanding higher wages and supporting unions. Um, and now just like this grotesque amalgamation uh, of of careerists and opportunists and multimillionaires leading uh, think tanks and former Republicans who are now like, no, 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 no trust us. We have your best interests here. You don't want Bernie Sanders. You don't want someone who's been fighting for you for 30 years. He's too dangerous. He's too extreme. Listen to me, the guy who two years ago was a Republican. Like, I'm the guy. I, I'm the person now who you should be listening to. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I do have good news on that front. And the good news is, like, the for the Bill Crystals of the world and, and the never Trump people who are now trying to lead the Democrats, uh, they have absolutely no real support. They're, like, no. just totally propped up by the media. And, you know, it's interesting because Politicon is this event where they try to bring together, like, every – corner of the political world and every time i've gone i've just been flabbergasted at how for online people for new media people for independent media people like we have such strong support out there and it really you know it brings a tear to my eye when i see it but you go to like a bill crystal event and the planners will put it in like one of the biggest rooms at Politicon with a lot of seats and you go in there and the room is like 10% full and like nobody is there to hear these people, to see these people. They don't think they're leaders. They don't think they have any original interesting ideas, but you know, get somebody from the online world and they're packing, you know, one of the smaller rooms in there. They'll put you in the smaller room and people will be freaking standing up on the sides and packing the room. And it's like, that's such it's just that's such a good example of what this is. It's all a front. And and the media wants there to be a strong, serious, never Trump Republican movement. And a lot of it is about protecting the Republican brand after Trump is gone. They want to play the, you know, the false equivalence game all day and act like, you know, they're the re- Democrats and Republicans. They're reasonable people on both sides in the political establishment. And so they want to make it so that when Trump leaves, like, oh, the good Republicans have always been speaking out against Trump. And what they won't say is that the Ted Cruz wing, John Kasich wing, whatever the hell you want to call it, Marco Rubio, they're just like Trump. The only difference is Trump also does mean tweets like their policies are exactly the same. So it's just it's nothing but media BS to to try to go after or to try to, uh, 
you know, protect the never Trump people and act like they represent like a, a previous era Republican Party. That's a that's like a good party. And, and you can work with those people. It's like, no, you can't. They're actually just as bad. They just don't like them. <laughs> Do you guys remember in uh, in 2016 talking about how these people don't have the constituency or the power that they kind of think that they do? Or that they would like. Do you remember in 2016 when the Bill Crystal types all of a sudden were saying, we're doing backroom meetings right now. We're putting together a real movement to stop Trump. We're going to have a viable candidate. <laughs> and they're trying to get people hyped up about it. And it's just like, okay, here we are. We're ready to reveal our secret plan to defeat Trump. Uh, David French, the guy from the fucking National Review or whatever. <laughs> and everyone's just like, who is this guy? What is hilarious? What the fuck are you doing? Why are you doing this? <laughs> Their whole world, their whole world, and their whole current, all their currency is just media appearances and book sales and speaking gigs. That's everything to them. Like, like, like Kyle was saying earlier, it's like who is on who's on TV and who's who's writing at which magazine and who's an editor where. Like that's that's everything to them. And what they don't realize is nobody gives a shit outside <laughs> of the Beltway. Nobody fucking cares because it's not it's not a real like. I hate to use this term, but it's true in this context. It's not a real free marketplace for them. Like they are artificially propped up by yes. the networks and they keep getting put out there even though nobody's actually interested in what they're saying. Whereas in the media world, in the online world, podcast world, YouTube world, all that stuff, like you actually – you have to get eyeballs on you or eventually you're going to have to stop doing the goddamn show. So – in a weird way, people online are just – we're in another league compared to these people because we know we actually can cultivate an audience and get people to be interested in what we're saying and you know get, get a following, whereas they never have because they've just been propped up artificially by these networks that you know uh, are putting them out there despite the fact that nobody's interested in what they're saying. Yeah, so and, and you came from the like Ivy League pipeline that you got into because of who your dad knew or whatever. It's just this like – pipeline from these freakish high school students to uh to uh centrist conservative uh of ghouls in the media they've never actually like they never really had to work to get to that point or like build an audience from scratch everything was just kind of like they just like came out of this fucking factory and uh and were just kind of handed these positions and and think that somehow that means that they're special or that they deserve it somehow and they think they're so smart too like you know, their contribution to the political conversation is like watching a sanctimonious Jeff Flake speech and going, this is the future. The future of the republic is reflected in this amazing speech from Jeff Flake tepidly criticizing Trump. It's like, what are you? Right before you voting for so his entire unserious. agenda and co-signing it happily and then going home to his mansion. <laughs> exactly. Exactly right. Um, no, but beat, like <laughs> just to sum up everything we've kind of been talking about with regards to Bernie and these people, and that's it. It's he's such you can see this is exactly why they're all shitting their pants right now, and why they're all losing it, and and just talking incessantly about Bernie Bros in the hope that this is going to like slow something down, uh, or is going to stop the inevitable from happening, because everyone in this like inner circle of uh, upper crust, glad handling and and self dealing and access. The consultant class, the professional media class on both sides of the aisle, whether you're more of a liberal person or a conservative person, this is exactly what uh, Bernie is a threat to. And it's exactly why he's popular. I mean, that's why he has the popularity that he does is because he's a threat to these uh, to this exact class of people who everyone hates. 
And that's exactly yeah. why Trump was able to build such a huge coalition because he was like seemingly against those people because they don't like him because he's uncouth and he's mean to them and stuff. But he never really threatened their interests in any way. He certainly didn't threaten their interests in the same way that Bernie Sanders does. And that's exactly why they're all losing their minds right now. Yeah. And it's just it's funny to see how deranged they look, because, I mean, really, Bernie is the least offensive candidate of all time. He's this like, you know, kind of cranky old dude who's like, I think everybody should have health care and I think you should go to college and you should get paid a living wage and we should probably stop bombing a thousand countries. He says like the most obvious things. That was a great impression. Did Bernie Sanders just drop by the podcast? I thought, wow. Yes, he's right here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, it's just so funny because it's like they're in the frickin twilight zone. They act like what he's saying is insane and it's everybody else who doesn't have, you know, permanent DC insider brain is like, oh, this guy is like a reasonable dude who seems pretty compassionate. So, yeah, I support him. Well, uh, we're so the Iowa caucus is on Saturday. Um, we're going to see what happens. Uh, but uh, there's a good Nevada. chance that Bernie's about to go three for three in these early primary states, which is only going to intensify the freakout that we're seeing. Uh, and heading into a, a really, really huge Super Tuesday where I think a lot of things are going to become clear. Uh, I'm pretty excited and I'm, th- I'm happy, Kyle, you were able to come on the show and break this down. Uh, me and Jordan both appreciate the work you do uh, each week on YouTube. Um, so thanks. Thank you for coming to talk to us. My pleasure, guys. I appreciate you too. Have a good one. Uh, do you want to plug your, plug your stuff before, you, we, before we sign oh, off? Uh, sure. It's at Kyle Kalinske on Twitter and Secular Talk on YouTube. Great YouTube show really good youtube show watch it well everyone should watch it thanks Please man watch it. appreciate that please clap <laughs> okay jordan that was uh that was kyle kalinsky hey i only realized after we did this episode we had Ken Klippenstein and Kyle Kulinski on the show at the same time. That's a lot of K names. Yeah, we gotta mix it up. It's just like mathematically, it's unlikely that that would ever happen, but... Yeah. Weird. So I guess guess the only solution is to no longer have Ken on. I mean, that's... (laughs) I think we were there already, and we're just kind of retroactively finding a reason, but that works for me. Okay. Um, so how is it? Uh, okay, so what what day is it today? Now it's Thursday, February twentieth. Now uh, you're down in in Nevada. How's the weather down there in beautiful Las Vegas? It's nice. It's uh, you know sixties and crisp. Wearing shorts today feels good. Feels great coming from DC where it was really cold last week. So it feels good to nice. be here. Were you? You did you get in last night? You weren't at the debate, were you? We were. Uh, <laughs> we walked around. We tried to find. We tried to. We wanted to sneak in or something, and then we wanted to sneak into the uh, spin room, but we couldn't because it was like heavily credentialed and guarded. So we hung out outside the spin room and kind of uh, shot dirty looks at the other campaign staffers, but gave uh, rounds of applause to all the Bernie staffers and campaign managers. Like we saw Nina Turner and Faze, uh, Shakir, and all the all them coming in and got to talk to him a little bit. Got pictures with Nina Turner, and it was great. Cool. We'll have credentials soon enough. We'll get credentials. Yeah. They said we were too powerful. I said, do you know my podcast? And they're like, oh, shit. Sorry. You guys are like too important. Yeah, yeah. We can't. So that's why. We can't have any of that. 
fair enough you know i get it yeah yeah um what did you make of the debate though that was interesting i didn't see the whole thing but i saw the highlights obviously online what what was your takeaway from that it was it was a bloodbath man this was this was the probably the most aggressive <laughs> yeah, pretty good debate i've seen i mean do you remember anything more intense yeah there was definitely it was definitely like a gloves off thing uh certainly bloomberg being there kind of heightened that because everyone was just like okay fuck this guy uh, particularly Elizabeth Warren and Bernie, who really like came to not mess around with that. Yeah. Uh, but also, I think because of the way things have have played out in the first couple of primary states, a lot of these campaigns are like, okay, this is my last chance to make an impression here, you know, and possibly put together some momentum. So everyone was kind of swinging for the fences to try and get these these viral moments. Yeah, that's what it seemed like uh, with a few candidates specifically. I mean, they're it's they're coming down to the wire now. I mean, every every delegate coming out of these states is key. They're trying to get at least some momentum going into Super Tuesday, so they need anything they can. And it's really not so much about changing people's minds who are watching in real time. It's how they can take these clips and turn them into some sort of viral moment online. How they can use it in campaign videos. How they can spin this rhetoric and talking points into a new narrative. Things like that. So um, you saw that especially from Warren. She was just gloves off last night. Uh, she really, really needs strong showings in Nevada and South Carolina. Um, Pete, to an extent, Amy and Pete going at it was hilarious because I just I, yeah. I love that brawl. I love that feud. Yeah, because she the she palpable Midwestern hatred was really oh, pure, passive aggressive really Midwesterner. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny to see. She yeah. obviously hates him. Yeah, that that is enjoyable. That's really enjoyable. And you mentioned like spinning spinning stuff into a viral moment, and that's one kind of interesting thing about Bloomberg is it's gonna it's like a real test of what his kind of unprecedented strategy is here. Because anyone watching last night or anyone kind of involved in the kind of online conversation was just like he, he got absolutely destroyed, eviscerated, whatever whatever you wanna whatever word you wanna use. Uh, it was embarrassing to watch. Um but then the next day he puts out this like edited video that's like talking about him saying, I'm the only one that's ever started a business. And it's kind of, they created this kind of curb your enthusiasm, like awkward moment where no one answered it. And it's kind of interesting about what that, like that's his whole strategy. It's just like, who cares what actually happens at the debate? I'm just going to feed this moment that I kind of pre-rehearsed into my multi-million dollar marketing machine and see if we can just spin it into a win somehow and get engagement online and see how that affects the poll numbers. I'm really interested to see what the result of that is. Yeah. Uh, morbidly curious about the Bloomberg uh, strategy. I did call out one of his memers, his Instagram memers last night on Twitter. And the guy claims the guy who's working closely with fuck Jerry claims that they're not doing that anymore. Uh, have have seen no proof of that, but it's easy to say you're not doing it anymore after you get a huge check for like a million bucks. Uh, and then yes. just move on the next week. Uh, it's not exactly like he, like he gave the money back. Um, so I, I think I'm wondering if they just did this one-off burst to create this news story, and that was it, and they just did, aren't mo- going forward with it. But it seems like this guy's got like some sh- some shame around his involvement because he was really really defensive. Yeah, well, I'm not. That's the thing. I'm not sure. I'm not sure any of these folks kind of like imagined the pushback they were going to get like from their own sort of fans and communities, and everyone else kind of making fun of them. So. Yeah. yeah, we'll see who who continues to uh, to take that Bloomberg money, especially after all the terrible things about him have come out, and uh, he's had these like rotten debate performances. I mean, I feel like everyone that was kind of getting getting uh, 
getting behind him had to watch last night and just be like, oh, fuck. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing here? This is a yeah, disaster. A particularly interesting moment where Warren kind of had him in a vice grip uh, on the on the sexual harassment and NDA stuff. And you could tell Bloomberg had never really been pressed on that question. And also yeah. why he wanted to avoid the debates because he had nothing. And he kind of tried to reduce it down to jokes and he had these awkward moments where he was refusing to, uh, you know, release these NDAs and, and unseal these NDAs and just everyone's just piling on him. Uh, that That's brutal. That's absolutely brutal. Um, again, yeah. I don't know how many minds are changed by watching these debates, but that's something other campaigns should really broadcast out there because that's terrible. You can't have a guy who's obviously flawed like that going up against Trump. No. But the, okay, so the thing that I wanted to close with here, the, and I think the most interesting story that came right at the end of this debate was when they were asked about the convention and whether the person uh, going into the Democratic convention this summer that has the most votes and delegates should win the win the nomination. And, uh, okay, so that's really interesting for a number of reasons. Number one, because every single person on the stage, except for Bernie, said, yes, the Democratic Party should basically decide the nominee. It, should have, <laughs> it shouldn't be, you know, the will of the actual voters. Um, that, that's number one. And the the main thing about that that I noticed, too, is that it seems to be there's this kind of realization growing among this, this political class, the media class, the people on the stage. I feel like they're almost at the point where they're accepting that Bernie's going to be the one going into the convention that is going to be in that position. Right. And it's really just a question in these people's minds at this point now of whether he's going to be able to clinch it before or whether they're going to have some kind of contested convention like am i crazy that seems to be like the consensus they're coming to i don't think you're crazy at all i think that's exactly what it is and we've talked about this before i think that's warren's strategy i think warren's strategy specifically is to go and hobble into the convention uh and make the case on the second ballot because that's when super delegates kick it back in so everyone who is saying that uh, yeah i think there's the way even look at the way they're talking about nevada everyone's just basically saying the best we can hope for is second place okay well you i mean you gotta imagine there there's some part of them that's thinking about that in terms of the convention itself and that they think that their best hope is just getting party elites and and the the establishment to pick them on a second ballot under this guise of oh he's more electable and stronger against trump you can't have a socialist running against trump um this is i think what they're what the narrative will become if we see bernie take the lead uh it's going to be questions about his electability completely ignoring that he's bringing out record turnout i mean if you've heard um, my buddy George out here is telling me yesterday that 70,000 people have already early voted in Nevada, and they only had 84-some thousand people caucus total in 2016, so they're on pace for a record turnout, huge turnout, and this is what Bernie's path to victory is. It's getting people mobilized, energized, and showing up. Like, this is, this is he's it's proof of concept for him, and for them to kind of rat-fuck him uh, at the convention would be a fatal mistake, because I think you... You do irreparable harm to the party, and and the voters can no longer trust you because it's like two years in a row or two uh, conventions in a row. Yeah, and and just like we've said this before, I think we said this on episode one. But and if Bernie goes into that convention with the most votes and the most delegates and doesn't win the nomination, it will irrevocably fracture the Democratic Party. 
Like, just look at the numbers of youth, uh, like youth demographics that that Bernie's getting on his side. The amount of like overwhelmingly he's ahead of everyone else in terms of that demographic. Like, if you're the Democratic Party and this is the result of the convention that you tell that entire new generation of new voters who are just getting involved in the political process and just like getting behind Bernie and just like fighting for their their ideas, you turn then turn around and tell all these these young people. No, none of your ideas matter. Nothing about what you want matters to us. It doesn't matter how much you fight for it. We're just going to, you know, supersede that and pick someone else. I mean, you're just going to disenfranchise that that entire new generation of voters. They're going to want to have nothing to do with the Democratic Party at any time in the future. And that's not like some kind of Bernie or Buzz thing or, ooh, that's some kind of a threat or anything. Of course, n- nothing like that. It's just that's just the inevitable result of what's going to happen if that's how the convention turns out. That's just the reality of it. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah, that that's that would be a colossal mistake. Unless it's Bloomberg going into it. Then fuck that guy. Yeah, I agree. Then I I, <laughs> I reserve the right to just like completely change my, my tune on that. Yeah, because it's um, like you look across the board, I mean no one no one is as flawed as him. I hate Pete, but I mean if I had to pick between fucking Pete and Bloomberg, it's a no brainer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's that's I, going back to Warren's strategy too. If if that's really what her strategy is, like we've been uh, sort of uh, hypothesizing over here, I just don't see. I mean, just the idea that she can even make it to that far, I think, is a little bit far fetched. Uh, but also, like, if the party brass is so against uh, Bernie, like they're going to find her acceptable all of a sudden, and no, they're not. They're they're just as opposed to her agenda and her you know, economic policies that she wants to enact. So the idea that anyone like in a position of power or in or like decision making or influence in the Democratic Party is going to get behind her uh, because Bernie's too unacceptable, I think is like, I don't I don't think there's any chance of that happening. I think there's some less likely than others, but I think there is some because she does seem as like she does strike me as someone who has enough connections in party establishment circles, uh, just enough to convince them that she's the compromise candidate which i think is her angle but this has pissed me off uh, and now i'm going to take this energy out to canvas yes yes enjoy that um we're going to see what the result is because if if there is a contested uh, democratic party convention it is going to be an absolute clusterfuck uh, on on all levels um but i'm looking forward to uh to covering that with you so good luck today um with uh, canvassing out there in nevada um, everybody, thanks for listening to the episode. Remember to subscribe over at theinsurgents.substack.com. Find the podcast on all the different podcast apps. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Remember, please don't mention Ken Klippenstein or in the review. Just stop doing it. We don't like it. We're we're finished with. We're not doing that anymore. We definitely no, don't no read more those reviews, reviews featuring laugh. Ken. Please, yeah, absolutely. Unless if you, unless you want to leave a review defending the lifetime ban then by all means mention you can mention ken in the room yeah I, i'm open to still uh, continuing to allow those that that is yeah. true okay well thanks everyone we will be back soon and uh that's it until yep. next time